Welcome to Cross Point Baptist Church. Members that are here, guests, visitors alike, and those that are watching via Facebook. I know a lot of even church members are out of town this weekend, so we're grateful that you're here today. I would invite you to stand with me as we say a pledge to the flag, and then I'll say a few words about that uh, as we conclude, especially those at home. Um, we know that you aren't here physically to be able to do this, but take this time and Think about the words and what we're about to do. So our flag is over here uh, to my right. If we would, if we could all join together in saying the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. I pledge allegiance to the flag. While you're standing, I would like to take a few moments and explain why Cross Point Baptist Church pledge allegiance to the flag. If this church were in a different country, would we pledge allegiance to that flag is one question that comes up from time to time. We pledge allegiance to the flag for which it stands. We have this thing, uh, two very important, the most important uh, book, uh, documents that we have to us is the Bible. It is the most important book on this earth. But for Americans, especially for us, we have this other thing called the Constitution. The First Amendment gives us the right to where no one can impede our ability to worship and worship freely, including government. And we want to recognize God's grace upon Cross Point Baptist Church. God's grace upon our country as we're able to meet freely today. Now, right now, you may be thinking tomorrow is 4th of July. You may be thinking of the plans and activities and do those. I plan on eating a burger at some point tomorrow myself. But tomorrow is more than the 4th of July. It is what we celebrate as our Independence Day. Freedom. I come to reevaluate my um, love for this country. When I was driving home, a couple of young men from Papua New Guinea on Friday. They're in a country that, uh, yes, they're free, but not like here. They kept reiterating to me, freedom, freedom, but you have freedom. But they kept reiterating that over and over again became personal. It made me realize that, man, I'm taking these things for granted, even though I say I'm not. And then this week, you'll hear more about this, I heard a testimony from a young lady, probably mid-20s, who went to India. There was one Christian, one Bible-believing Christian for every thousand people was the only light. In some areas, it's zero. Where it was illegal to convert or share the gospel of Jesus Christ if they want to pursue it. All of a sudden, I had to reevaluate my love for our country, more importantly, our love for the Lord. So let's bow and open in prayer. Today is going to be a bit of a hybrid day of mixture of what we're going to do, but uh, all of this are going to fall in the umbrella of praising our one. There's only but one God one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And that's who we want to lift up today. So let's bow for prayer and ask the Lord to meet with us. 
Dear God, thank you for uh, pulling us together this morning, giving us this country like the pledge that we just shared. It's for which it stands. May we be united around you first and foremost. First and foremost, be around, united around, even more importantly, perhaps the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ who gives us our hope. So bless today. May we give an effort, give our heart, give, our, give of ourselves to you and receive a blessing in return. Even those that are watching by Facebook, some may be on uh, a bit of a vacation that they, they uh, are checking in this morning and others that can't be here due to illness. Lord, let them know that they're loved and let them know that they're missed. But more importantly, let them know that you care most of all. Bless the singing this morning, the reading of your word, everything that we do, we do in your name. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. You may be seated. Actually, you go ahead and sit down. You may be seated. Now you may stand back up for praise and worship with Andrew and the peaches of it. All right, now we got our morning exercise in. Let's... Uh, Let's sing to our Lord this morning, Fairest Lord Jesus.
Shine with all else, faith never 
this morning to declare your praise and your glory. Lord, we want to glorify you. That is why we come together to hear from you, from your word, to lift up your name corporately as you've told us to do, as our hearts long to do. Father, would you accept the praise from your people? God, would you change us as individuals? Would you change us as a whole to be more like your son, Christ? It's in his name that we ask. Amen. You may be seated. I would like to take a few moments and um, kind of set up this morning. Traditionally, over the last several years, you have uh, given me the, the room to take the Sunday after I speak at Youth Haven Bible Camp. And I kind of share that week because it's an extension of our ministry. And um, I, I go down there and I speak for seven times in five days or four and a half days or how you want to look at it. And I usually share, uh, I give a report on the week. And then I usually, or have been in the past, teaching a lesson from chapel when we do chapel at camp. Um, I'm going to do a mixture of that. I'm not going to do a full-blown lesson this morning. Uh, I remember last year kind of debating, and I don't know. And I, uh, I think it was last year, maybe two years ago, where I went ahead and came on the floor. And we did a chapel, Youth Haven Bible Camp, and you had to participate in... Uh, I put on the robe, and I had all kinds of object lessons popping around, and I was a little, uh, not anxious, but thinking about it. I'm like, I don't I want to honor the worship service, and Daryl Wingate goes, man, you should do that every week. He said, we're like big kids. We're just like big kids, and I appreciated that. I'm not going that far today, but I did want to take some time, because I, I, I really do want to respect our morning worship services and um, in, in chapel, chapels, Youth Haven Bible Camp this year, for me, I would, uh, well, I'll just say it. It was probably the best year spiritually that I've ever seen, that I've been a part of. God has been doing something special in our church for the last several weeks. We're talking about it. You can see it. it. We really started to see something special during teen week. God was working in these teens in a way that we hadn't, we hadn't really seen before. I hadn't seen it before. And then children's, our, our children's camps, uh, I'm sorry, um, teen week is when it was at camp, is when the electric went out. Remember that? The hottest day of the year, electric goes out on a Monday night. Was it Monday night? Yeah. Storm comes up, electric goes out. Hottest day of the year. And we're hearing, like, what, what do we do? There's no AC, there's no fans. Do you realize, I didn't know if you knew this. We, we depend on electric a lot. 
food, light. Now it's dark. It's, and, and, and the heat was coming. And we were, uh, we were concerned. We wanted to make sure our kids are safe and not sick and all these things. And we're having the conversation behind closed doors going, do we come back? I went up Tuesday and, and what looked to be, we could be shutting camp down. We, if they don't, we may be coming home for safety measures. It was amazing to watch God use that week of camp. And they got through that first Monday, Tuesday. Electric came back on Tuesday evening, I think, wasn't it? And, uh, and that was a great spiritual week, spiritual week for our, our, our teens. That was several weeks ago. And if you don't believe me, ask them. Just, just go and ask them. Don't, don't take my word for it. Go and ask them. Ask them about camp. Ask them about what did you see, the chapels, what did you learn? And if you watch them, they are really tight right now. So I, we see that happening. And then after that, Vacation Bible School. Something really special happened right here at Vacation Bible School. We've been doing this, uh, this format for a bunch of years. Pastor Rick has really poured his heart and soul into it every year. But this year, he did something different. He, he took every lesson, kind of touched where these kids are actually living. So many times we take the gospel on Sunday morning and go... Jesus saves, Jesus saves, Jesus saves, you're going to have a great life. And that, that, at least that's a message that kids pick up. But when the reality is, guess what? Kids feel rejected at times. Kids don't know who they are. They're still trying to figure out who they are. Hey, adults, we're still trying to figure out who we are, aren't we? Depression, um, on and on the list goes. Pastor Rick took, he, he developed uh, our vacation Bible school around these topics, just enough to touch it. Because they're in the Bible. They're in the Bible. That's why and we were able to take the gospel vacation Bible school week into their homes because it's where they're living. So that's why the stage is still like this. You may be thinking, how long is this going to be up? We're actually, uh, we're dovetailing vacation Bible school in I think just two weeks is our day camp. We're doing a one day day camp. It's, it's a, it's a va vacation Bible school and camp crunched down to one day. Pastor Rick has a great vision for this. So you're going to be hearing a lot about it. But that's why this is still up. But then last week, I was able to go to be the speaker at Youth Haven Bible Camp. Three weeks in a row, kind of just like something uh, hot and heavy going on fast. But the Spirit of God was, was moving in a way that you're going, thank you, God, just for letting me go along for the ride and be a part of it. As leaders so much, we think we're leading and, and we have to lead. And I think God places leaders in places on purpose. But sometimes it's just, uh, you're, listen, he's leading us and we tend to be too much. So uh, as I took, uh, I took all my toys with me, I took boxes of object lessons, lessons, because camps take on a life of their own. And I decided Monday when I got there to use in part Pastor Rick's Vacation Bible School lessons for camp so the first day of camp it's going to be great we get there and there's about a there was 98 kids it was it toppled 100 uh before the time monday was over the weather all week long well, it couldn't you couldn't ask for better weather down there then mountains were just beautiful um uh for the biggest part but do remember it is kentucky you're in the mountains everything will stick bite or poke or make you itch that's just how it is down there sometimes. And uh, so Monday night, we do our first chapel, 
and we find out Tuesday the worship leader has COVID. Uh-oh. We had to do some, real quick, let's have meetings. All of a sudden, a junior staff, another junior staff, had three of them had COVID. So we're thinking, oh, we may be, as a Tuesday, you're thinking, this could be it for camp. It didn't even off the ground yet, and it could, be, it could have been nipped just like that. And those got away, they, they, they left, tested, tested, and everybody was fine from there on out. It was the best week of camp. When it was on, the, on, the, on the, the brink of not having camp, we were on the brink of not having camp with our teens just a couple weeks. We were there. Got through it, and things happened special because of the trial. Amen? Oh, you ain't buying that one, are you? We don't like trials. We don't like hardship. We don't like these things, and yet we see over and over again in the Bible that that's what God uses why do we do that? We like comfort. We, um, we like the American dream. We like that Jesus says and has a wonderful plan for your life. Yet when we look at the Bible, when you look at the gospel lived out in other countries, which I've been able to see just recently, there's a hardship there. And within that hardship is where God is growing you. He's teaching and he's at work and he's moving there, I think the greater enemy to success may be mediocrity versus a hardship. Hardship, now I'm not rooting for things to go bad. I just want to follow God. Just follow God. So this week uh, as camp moved forward, I could tell you, I could fill your, the rest of the day with stories that would just cause you to be just so engrossed in, 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 in the personalities. Let me tell you about this one little dude. He, uh, he looked like Opie Taylor, but he talked like Matthew McConaughey. Are you with me? Everybody knows who these people are. He was red, fire engine red hair, fair skinned, about this tall, but he talked like this. I said, hey, uh, how's it going? He's by himself. I said, how's it, how's it going? I knew his name was Andrew. How's it going, Andrew? Man, this is awesome. He was at camp. He goes, I said, well, what are you getting ready to do? I'm going to go out to the point. The point of a hike, you go out and you look out, you overlook the overlook the, the the mountains, bridges and all that. And I said, well, let's do this first. Let's get you some bugs sprayed up. So we sprayed him up and, and he's really fair skinned and fire engine red. And Steve goes, you already got your base burned for the day, sunburn. We coated him up. He looked like a tube of toothpaste when he got done. We, we had this dude loaded up. And he, we saw him coming back, and he was by himself again at the tail end. He goes, man, is there any place I can get some water? I said, absolutely. Come with me, little dude. He had me in stitches. He said, uh, I said, well, tell me about your hike. What would you think about the hike? It was great, man. It was just great. I mean, you could, there's no excitement. You, you just, like, just want to go you know, grab him. He's, as he's drinking the water, he's cooling off. He's, he's trying to wipe sweat off his head, and all that's coming off is sunscreen. That's how much we had this dude, because he was, he was red to begin with. And uh, he, um, Andrew was his name, little Andrew. And he looked at me. One thing he did say was funny. He goes, man, I want to thank y'all for putting that on, because my mom said she's going to kill me if I came home with a sunburn. <laughs> He's used to being sunburned, apparently. Andrew was special to me. He, uh, 
That was one. I, I, I'm having a Rolodex of faces go through my mind right now of kids. Again, I don't want to take the time and sit here and keep telling story after story. But I do want to tell you two, about two individuals. Actually, before I get there, I talked about the worship leader having, this is camp worship leader, so the songs are rocking. They're popping. The place is hopping, right? It's like that. And um, when he goes down, now we don't have a worship leader. They were like, well, we can put him on the screen. There was a young man there by the name of Elijah, Eli. Uh, he's from Kentucky. He's 17 years old. He's there to be a counselor. But I noticed on Monday night he was playing backup guitar for Sam Judd. And he's playing some record filling playing some riffs. He's, he's filling some gaps there. And I went to him. I said, Elijah, you're going to lead worship. His eyes got that big around. He's 17. He said, I, I've never led worship. I said, you're going to lead worship. Get ready. Don't worry about anything else. He still was, he's making excuses. I said, listen, I don't have time for a rah-rah speech. You're going to lead worship. Well, think about it later. You got to go. So he got prepared. And I watched that young man, every chapel, just get more and more stepping into ministry his father's way in it was just great to see that growth there another one is uh danny stevens he didn't have covid but he got sick and uh at wednesday thursday and friday he was out of commission he has young young men under his belt with the horses right when you go to camp you have to have the horses even though they only go in a circle and they know right where they're going and you don't have to touch the reins because all they really want to do is get back to the barn where the food is he goes down. We got all these horses. We got all these kids wanting to ride horses. There's a young man there. He, uh, Joe, his name is, uh, he's sophomore. So what is that, 16? He handled the horses Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday like a champ. Nothing missed a beat. God was, you don't know what, people don't know what they can do until they're put in that position sometimes. And God has been preparing. God had been preparing. God had been preparing. So I want to tell you about two, two little girls this morning. One, his name is Tamara, and uh, an, another junior staff brought her to me, and she goes, hey, she wants to get saved, but she wants you to do it. And then the counselor kind of walked away. I caught that counselor lady later just to say, I don't do the saving. It's not how that works, but, but I sat her down, and I, I, I shared with her these things. I didn't do a lot of talking. I asked questions. My job isn't to talk this little girl into anything. It's to share. And I asked her, why would you want to be saved? Why would you want to do that? And she says, well, you said the sin. About the sin. She had a big accent, very strong accent. She said, you talked about sin. I, I, want, to, I want to be connected to God. That's the terminology I kept using, being connected to God. I asked her three questions, and her answers all came back to the right answers, meaning that Jesus did this for me. I need him in my life. I'm paraphrasing all that. And she, uh, instead of leading her to the Lord, she led herself. I said, you take the time. I'll, I'll listen. I'm right here with you. You ask him to be your savior. You ask him and listen to her prayer. And I'm not trying to be funny here. Her prayer went like this. I want you to listen to the last line. Dear Lord, I want... I'm sorry for my sin. I want to ask Jesus to, to, to save me and to be the boss of my life. That word boss, I had shared that that week. 
Because that word boss means, in her terminology, and in my terminology, to be the Lord of my life. A little girl. That's what I mean by last week. I just thanked God for allowing me to be a part of it. I'm supposed to be leading it as a speaker. I was just a part of it. I was along for the ride. There's another element here. Thursday night was the last night, and um, I had actually shared one of the lessons that Pastor Rick developed was on grief. Gently, we, we talk about it. I did not realize how much grief these boys and girls had in their life. Now, these stories get heavy. After chapel, they were lined up to talk to me afterward in the gym. These are 8, 9, 10, 11, 12-year-old. Can we call them children, please? But they're being treated like they're adults in their households. Share what I mean. One girl was carrying the weight. that I didn't realize they had seen as much death as they have seen. I know somebody that works in the court systems down there in Lee County. Whether the stat is true or not, I don't know, but the information I got was that 70% of the children are raised by their grannies, their grandparents. Mom and dads, are, most of them are in jail, on drugs, fostered out. I've seen it a lot down there. Well, this one girl was sharing. She's 12 years old. And she was sharing this story. And I'm not sharing this story for the all factor. I want you to listen to the hurt that's down there. This is why we're a part of what's going on. The need is great. She shared with me that her mom and dad, it's a long story, but she's with her dad, has a stepmom, and she's 12 years old. And her dad was holding her four-month-old brother, was tweaked out. He, was, he had done his hit meth and was dropping the four-month-old so she grabbed her little brother he goes unconscious 12 years old she's telling me this story like it's this is what I do she's hold, while she's holding her four-month-old she narcans her dad and she go but that didn't work so I had to hit him again she, she knew all that she's 12 years old and she's carrying this weight and she all and and, and, and by the way, her, her mom, her real mom, um, real mom ended up separated from the family, alcoholism and all that, and she was convinced that it was her fault her mom had left, 12 years old, and now she's convinced that it was her fault that this family is getting split up because she saved her dad Narcan twice from potentially dying and her little brother. And when her dad came to, he was mad because she ruined his high. She's 12 years old. That's one story. They were lined up deep telling me all these things. So when we dissect and we get to spend time with these boys and girls, listen, we're in and out. It's one week of camp. This isn't a, this isn't a, 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 where we see a church. Now, they have churches down there, but this girl was able to share with her, and I thank God for grief share that I have over the last several years, at least learning in part how to do this in crisis counseling. I shared with her the fact that your mom has separate, you know, you, that's not your fault. It's not your fault. 
You, in fact, you were protecting a lot of your family members. And to watch, her, watch the relief come off of her mind and heart was amazing. And I shared with her about the love of Jesus Christ, that she's loved. She received that. Let me tell you about another girl that came to me scared, taller, uh, older girl. And, and um, she said, you know, I really want to do the same thing. I really do. But I don't know. And her hand started even like shaking a little bit. So what is it that you don't know? What, what is it that you're concerned about? I just, I just, I just don't know. Uh, she was scared. I said, is it that you don't know what it'll be like? Well, what is it that you're scared of? And that ultimately was it. But the bigger issue was this. Everybody and everything she trusted in has bailed on her. Everything. Everybody and everything has bailed on her. This is all just one week and one night of, uh, of camp. But what stood out was this. I had emojis up on the wall talking about emotions. I had H-O-P-E. The letters that were right there were on the stage right here. And as I'm going through, I'm talking about all these lessons. I'm talking about uh, you, uh, the greatest, the, God's greatest creations in this box. This is our Monday night VBS lesson. I shared it with them. They got to come up and look. It was a mirror. God's greatest creation is themselves. We're created in the image of God. Amen? Amen. That means mind, will, and emotion. We are created in the image of God. We are the only creature, we are the only species that can say or think the word eternity. Think about that for a moment. We can think, so I'm, I'm sharing with them identity in Christ. We're created in the image of God. We share with them um, uh, the ability we can make decisions uh, with the Ten Commandments. I actually did something pretty cool. There's a Ten Commandment plaque in one of the offices. I borrowed it. And it wasn't until a couple days into it that I was asking, anybody know where I got this sign from? The guy's office I took it from, he went, hey. Hey, I didn't steal it. I put it back. I borrowed it. But what I want to share with you is we're going over all these things. We went over the life of Joseph. Rachel taught this on Tuesday night at VBS. I taught it on Tuesday. I taught it on Tuesday at camp. We went through Joseph's life. You know what Joseph was? Rejected, 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 rejected. He had rejection in his life. But in the end, what did he have? He kept his eyes fixed on our God. In the trials, we see something beautiful come out. Elijah, we talked about the we talked about depression again. We touched it, but we always went to the H O P E, the hope, the hope. We went to the hope. I held up the Bible. Here, let, we're going to do this now. Let's act like we're at camp for a moment, and then we're going to get to the Word. Hold, get your Bible out. So have your Bible in your hand. It this Bible, I shared this on Monday night. If everything we're going to do is going to come right out of here, okay? If you don't have your Bible. Well, you could point to the script, but the scripture's not up yet. But uh, with you, within your Bible, at some point in life, you're going to have to realize, am I going to trust this book or am I not? Ecclesiastes tells these youngsters to trust it now. Chapter 12, verse 1. Am I going to believe in this book or not? So we went through the Bible by the numbers. It took about, key word about, 1,500 years from Genesis to Revelation for the book to be written, for the books to be written. About 1,500 years. Say 1,500. Oh, that was not strong enough. We're at camp, people. 
about 1,500 years it took for the Bible to be written from Genesis to Revelation. Say 1,500. 1500. There we go. How many books in the Bible are there? 66. Say 66. Very good. That wasn't loud enough. How many books of the Bible? Very good. Watch this. About 40 authors, about, is what comprises the, com, com, were the writers. Did I say Arthur, Carla? Is that what you're laughing at? She, says, she laughs at me for certain words that I don't say right. Authors. She says I say Arthur for that one. About 40 authors wrote the Bible. Say 40. 40. How many books in the Old Testament? 39. Say 39. 39. How many books in the New, Andrew? 27. Say 27. So what we did is I had the numbers up here. We did this every time we met. Seven times we did this. I had the numbers written up here jumbled up. And I'd have kids come up. And I'd say, how many, how, how many years did it take uh, from Genesis to Revelation about to write the Bible? And they'd have to scramble to get the numbers in the right order. They, when on Friday, I didn't even have to put them up on the screen. Why did I do that? You may think, well, it's only numbers. Because at some point, they're going to have to realize, am I going to trust this book or am I not? And when they go to evaluate this book, adults, when you go to evaluate this book, how, how did we even get the Bible? If you're going to check the validity, is this true or is it not? You're going to know these things. This book, the Bible, is the greatest book of hope that we have. The greatest book of hope. So Friday, we had shared all these things, great conversations. I'm riding around on the train. I'm giving out fireballs. We call them hot balls down there. Um, Give them out hot balls, and uh, we had the, the leftovers from Vacation Bible School, Streaming God's Hope. Remember the blue bands that we had? Every kid got a blue band. Remember the emoji uh, light-up balls that didn't work from VBS? Yeah, I gave them out during the day so they didn't know about the light not working. I didn't even go there with it. Here, get a free ball. When I had left, I purposely told them this. I'm going to take all these props down. I put the sign over here as I'm teaching. I would take an emoji sign off as we're still teaching. And I'm going over Ecclesiastes 12.1. I'm taking the, um, the poster. I put it here. All these, all these numbers I stacked up. I said, when we leave here, you may remember all this other stuff. But that's not what I want you to remember. All this stuff was in the box. H-O-P-E. The hope of our God is what you're going to come away with from camp. That's what I want you to remember. And I, when I leave, I plan on, I'm leaving this up, I plan on that being the last thing I load in the van before I come back home. Even if this chapel was quiet and lights were out, I want hope to be what remains. Them kids down there, they have no hope. What kind of hope does the Bible talk about? Not a hope that wishes for. Not I hope. The Reds win a game today. That's a wish. That's a wish. The Bible talks about a hope that has an expected outcome. An expected outcome. That's what we wanted to share with the boys and girls overall. And there's a thousand more stories I could tell. But I'm going to leave it there as you think about Youth Haven Bible Camp. I know that Christina has actually signed up. Um, and is uh, serving a week down there during Sunshine Week. Thank you, Christina. That is, it is a hard week, it is one, but it's the most blessed week because of the special needs. Um, uh, so I've already prepped them for you, and now I need to prep you for them 
uh, as this day approaches. I want to tell you about two more, two more young men named Alex and Zephaniah. You may think by the name Zephaniah, it's an Amish guy or something like that. It's not. Alex and Zephaniah are brothers. They're from Papua New Guinea. They are right now, currently, they're going to Bible college, but they're staying north of Columbus. They heard about Youth Haven, and they paid, They made their way down there. Now think about this. They're in a country they've never been in before. They just traveled two to 300 miles south to go to a people and a land that they've never seen before, and the English is broken at best. Communication was very, very lacking. So somewhere between broken English from Papua New Guinea and little hillbilly kids is Pastor Scott. I'm the go-between. These two hardly talked at all the whole week. They, I, I had to really work hard to get them talking. And um, finally, I did get them talking. I said, listen, we're, I am going to take you from here back to Columbus. I'm, they needed to ride back to Columbus. I got to go. I'm going through Cincinnati. We'll get you there. But we're going to be in the car for four and a half hours together. You guys got to talk. This ain't going to work. This is not going to work. And my goodness, once they started talking, they wouldn't shut up. They didn't talk all week long. And the more they talked, the more questions I asked. Culture. Why, are you, why, why would you do this? Look how risky it is. I don't know that I would go to another country and then just get around the way they do. And, but they had faith in God. Faith in God. God will provide. Is what, what the older brother kept saying over and over. Perhaps you drove past my house on Friday. We stopped at my house on the way to Columbus. And I have this little bicycle. They saw my bicycles that I have. You know, I like to collect bicycles. And they were, whoa, all these bikes. And uh, Alex, the, the one brother, if you could picture this, he, uh, he has cowboy boots jeans and he had a cowboy hat now he took the hat off but he kept eyeballing this really small bike that i have it's a fold-up bike he uh i said you want to ride that don't you he's like oh, yeah yeah picture this dude little baby fro cowboy boots riding my bike through Eastgate in the parking lot across the street it, it made me cry it was so awesome they told me history about america they knew American history probably better than we do because um, their grandfather was a history teacher. They told me how Kentucky Fried Chicken got started. And when we went down past 71, I said, you know, about an hour that way is Louisville. That's, this is the deal. So guess what we had for lunch? Kentucky Fried Chicken. We had Kentucky Fried Chicken for lunch. And when I got them to Columbus, I wanted to share with you this that there's a, uh, a man there, he came, he's from Papua New Guinea, came from a uh, long time ago for ministry. He now sponsors those that are coming for Bible college, mainly Marietta, and there's another Bible college in Pennsylvania that they attend the most, but they're looking to serve. They're always looking to serve. That's how they got connected. So uh, eventually you'll be meeting those these two men. Our goal, church, this is what I, if, I'm going to do it, but I'm not asking anybody that's willing to do it. You come see me afterward. We need to get these two young men from Columbus to Beattyville. It's about a four-and-a-half-hour drive by July 17th, on July 17th more specifically. So if you're like, I, want to, I can do that. I can drive a couple dudes 
down there, uh, and it's, but it's for the ministry of uh, it's the Lord's ministry. It's not just they're going down there to, to minister and to do work. If you have the availability and the uh, interest to do that, see me afterward. Again, I will stop there with our, our stories. I could fill your day with stories, but I'm going to stop there because we have something, I think, very important to talk about on July 3rd in United States of America, 2022. It's sin and culture. Right now, I guess I've said this how many times, our country seems to be more divided now than ever. I think I've said that a lot. And the more that I watch headlines, it would appear to be so. Don't live your life by the headlines of the news. Nobody, I didn't get enough amens on that one. Do not live your life by the headlines of the news. It's clickbait. Live your life by the word of God. If I were to ask you right now, in your mind, what is sinful? How would you answer that? You may be thinking, you'd be naming things that are sinful. But what is it? What is sin? And again, I, you've heard me give this definition, but I asked this uh, at chapel with one of the, one of the little girls uh, raised her hand. And, you know, again, I've taken a college class on this, paid all the money, only to discover a two-word definition for the word sin, and this girl nailed it first time. It's disobeying God. She nailed it. That's all sin is. It's disobeying God. And um, we will be, you know what, let's, um, well, let's not turn to that scripture. But in a moment, we're going to be turning to scripture. It, it, but what if, now that we have that definition biblically defined, it is disobeying God, missing the mark. That's what sin means. What if you were on the world stage and asked that question? The whole world's watching. And then ask that question, knowing that this is going out everywhere and all the time. You may think, oh, I, don't want to, I don't want that. What if you're in your cubicle at work? What if you're simply on a Zoom conference call and ask that question, knowing that, by the way, what goes on Zoom, you know they keep that forever, right? And what goes on Zoom, you don't know who all is watching all the time. So you're, you're on a stage at all time. Would you alter your answer if you were asked that question by a reporter in front of thousands, millions of people. Whew. It's not popular to be a believer right now. In fact, I think it's the opposite of popular, to be a Bible-believing Christian. What is sin? Why is sin accepted? Truth refused? Is sharing truth? Hate speech is what I want you to really consider. So let's take a minute and go over some portions of Scripture. Some highlights here will be in Romans 3, of course. We'll touch Romans 1. They'll be on the screen as well. And I want you to open your Bibles as we take just a few moments to consider this. Because tomorrow is Independence Day, when we celebrate our independence. Independence from what? Independence from who? Well, without going into a history lesson, I think we know the American history of that. I think there's a bigger independence lesson and that is independence from evil, from sin, from yourself, is what dovetails when we look at the First Amendment that we're able to worship the way that we do. 
What is sin? There's no way of getting around that word. It's used 174 times in the New Testament alone. Say 174. 174 times in just the New Testament. How many books are in the New Testament? 27. That was weak, but okay. 27. The only way to avoid it would be to ignore sin, which if you ignore sin, you're ultimately embracing it, or dismiss the Bible. That's your, two, that's your two options. You know, when you get down to it, we try to, this world makes everything harder and more confusing than it really is. I think life's pretty simple. That's one thing I like about going down to that portion of, uh, of camp down there in Lee County is things are kind of simple down there. I kind of love it. How would you define sin? The Greek word is harmartia, and it means to miss the mark. Romans chapter 3, verse 3. Look on the screen with me as that pops up or look in your Bible. I prefer you to have your Bible out. Romans chapter 3, verse... Um, let's do verse 23 and then we'll work backwards. Romans 3, 23. I threw Will a little curveball. Uh, For all have sinned and fall short. Miss the mark of God's presence is what that means. Miss the mark. Everybody. Now it doesn't matter where you're from, your culture and all those things. By the way, as I'm telling camp stories, I'll tell you another little funny one. Friday night, I had driven at that to a point of about seven and a half hours, and it was 10 at night, past my bedtime, and I was hungry. And I called Carl. I said, I'm just going to stop and grab something. I uh, stopped uh, at the Waffle House, because that's what you eat when you're on the road. Stop at the Waffle House here in Eastgate, and from the dark shadows, I hear a voice go, Hey, Pastor Scott. And I look over, and I could see a figure, but I tell they had a bag over their shoulder. I thought it was Santa Claus or a homeless guy. I didn't know what it was. It was Will Fryman cleaning up the Chick-fil-A. And uh, so that's the first thing he texts me, isn't it past your bedtime? <laughs> he got me. He got me. All have fallen uh, sin and missed that mark. That's just... But that's just your interpretation. Are we going to believe the Bible or are we not? Are we going to believe the Bible? Then we've all missed the mark. I saw a shirt and I saw some, uh, man, I took a break from, oh, uh, I'm not a big Facebook dude and all that stuff. I, I get on there every day just to see our church-related stuff and kind of get off because it'll give me a headache. And um, I saw a meme on there. I saw even a shirt in the last week. It said, love thy neighbor. I'm like, all right, great. And then it started listing all these people. And at the end it said, are you loving these? It was interesting because the shirt was really kind of offensive and in your face. The assumption is, hey, Christian, you're not, loving the, you're not loving all these people. The most loving thing we can do is share this word of God. Was Jesus Christ the greatest lover of people? Yeah. Did he coddle everybody's sin? No. He did not coddle sin. Why would we think we, should, we, as followers of Christ, should coddle and sin? That's not a good thing. That's a bad thing. I don't want people upset. I don't want people, uh, I don't want arguments and divisiveness. But I also don't want them self-inflicting themselves by ignoring their sin. That's self-infliction. And I also don't want the end result. It's not just my interpretation.
there's long been a battle over the Bible. I think it's, again, start, our culture is starting to see it as apathy. Who cares about the Bible? It's outdated. It's not outdated. It's timeless. We don't get to interpret the Bible. The author does. Who's the author of the Bible? The Holy Spirit. God's Word. Second uh, uh, Peter talks about how these men wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Second Timothy 3, 16 as well. We don't get to interpret the Bible. In fact, if you'll turn with me to Romans chapter 1. Go a page back. Go a page back. Now, we're not going to be able to go over all these verses. If you need to uh, get a, a deeper study of Romans, you can absolutely, the first three chapters will blow you away. If you want to get a, a broad view of Romans, but biblically accurate, see Andrew Bovey. He can give you the book of Romans in rhythm in about, what, three minutes or so. You'll be hearing that before too long at Crosspoint. You may think, what are you talking about? You'll find out. But he wrote something as it relates to the book of Romans. It's pretty special. Romans chapter 1, verse 18 through 32. Now, he's, Paul is not just giving a list of sins here. These are indicators of what's going on in the heart. Indicators of what's going on in the heart. And I, at the end of all this, you can see the sins kind of, uh, the depravity of man just gets more and more downward, downward, till they get turned over to a debased mind, to themselves. When you're turned over, we think we're so smart. But when we're turned over to ourselves, when we turn over to humanism, look at the end result. It's in Romans chapter 1, verse 32. Right prior to this, he's given indicators, not of, of the heart and how it's played out. Verse 32, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, they know that judgment is coming, that those who practice such things are deserving of death. That's not a comfortable to say or hear. Not only do the same, but also approve those who practice them. Does that sound like a culture? Not only do, do we approve of what they're doing, which is bad, or not only do we uh, uh, know the end result, but it's easier just to let it let them be them. Or are you going to believe the word of God? What the Bible says about you, what the Bible says about your future and your eternity. Given over to a debased mind is to be given over to sin, which leads to more sin. What is sin is a question that our culture just... Uh, yeah, they just don't want to play. They're not, they're not, they just don't want to play that game. The next I want you to consider this morning is this, that it's a dangerous thing for an unregenerated person to interpret the Bible. Now, when we pick up the Bible, this is why it's important at our church, and I think it's important no matter where you go, that not just anybody should be teaching this Bible. The person that is a believer. Now, if you're, if you're, if you're today and you're searching for God, Please pick up a Bible. Please pick it up. In fact, one of the coolest things ever that I saw done, uh, sometimes we think that in our world that, well, they're old and I'm old and they're young and vice versa. They're not going to listen to me. I get done at camp. By the way, I'm 53 years old and they had to guess my age. That was a train wreck. I've never felt more insulted in my life. They got to hold up numbers. 
How old's the Bible in 39? And, and they had me 66 years old, 93. They had me 150. It was a wreck. At the end of chapel, Ralph is a board member, Ralph Porter. Every time I see him, I start singing, Hey, Porter, Hey, Porter by Johnny Cash. But every time, uh, uh, Ralph is a board member. He's older, a worker, but he's also a Gideon. And he says, Hey, when you're done, man, if you'll allow me, I'd like to, I want to give them all Bible, and I'd like to say a few words. Uh, the, the Gideons prefer, like, they'll give out Bibles, but they, want, they don't want just anybody to hand out. They would need a representative. And he said, you can do it. I said, no, Ralph, come on, you're doing it. Well, I don't know. He's a quiet dude. He's a quiet worker. I, I said, come on, Ralph. Ralph gets up there, soft-spoken. He was like a grandpa. He was a rock star. Ralph's up there talking about the Gideon. Every kid left with the Bible that day at the end of camp. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? So uh, if you are, you want to know more about God, and odds are you're going to go to YouTube first, Google first. If you're old school, you might go, I, I know, I'm going to, I'm going to, what's true, what's not, I better pick out a Bible, open a Bible. Come, ask questions. If you want to know about God, yes, read the Bible. But not everybody should be teaching the Bible. Not everybody should be teaching the Bible. In fact, James says there's a stricter judgment to those that do handle the word of God. So if I'm up here, or if any leaders up here, and if we don't know, we're not going to travel too far away from what we do know to be true. We'll go find it. We'll go pursue it. So the unbeliever doesn't have eyes to see or ears to hear. I want to share um, at least one more point before we start to draw application this morning as it relates to sin in our culture. Why is sin accepted and truth refused? It's amazing to me in our culture that everyone thinks they want truth, but they ignore it. They want their truth. There's no such thing as your truth and my truth. That is not a popular statement right now. You mean there's people in, all over the world, you're saying their truth, they're only following their truth. Their truth and my truth, there's only one truth. Only one. Why is sin accepted and truth refused? 2 Timothy chapter 4. Let's go there. 2 Timothy chapter 4. I love the fact that when we're doing chapels, I'm able to interact with the kids and ask questions. And John Brinker tried to ask me a trick question the other day. And uh, he thought he had me, but I was on to it. I've only heard it about 100 times. That was, how many animals did, did Moses take on the ark? Right? And I said, well, come on now, John. I know this trick. Moses didn't take any animals on the ark. Noah took the animals on the ark. So I got John back. I said, hey, John. How many books of the Bible did Timothy write? Well, two, three, two. None. Paul wrote to Timothy. Timothy didn't write any of them, so zinga, gotcha. Play with fire, John, get burnt. 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 through 5. Why is sin accepted and truth refused? L listen, follow along as I read. I charge you, therefore... Before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead? Say the living. living. That's you and me, y'all. 
will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, extort, ex exhort with all uh, long-suffering and teaching. For the time will come. The time will come. I'll read that again. The time will come. And I think it's now. When they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. They will listen to their own. And they will turn their ears away from truth, be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful. Cross Point Baptist Church, be watchful. I think we're okay. I think we're, we're shored up. I'm concerned of, the, uh, of camps. I'm concerned of our families. I'm concerned when we go outside of here. Because the battle is at our, it's here. It is, it's not coming tomorrow. The battle is now. You may be in a workplace environment where you're arguing over Roe v. Wade. You may find yourself in arguing over the, what's the theme for the month of June. You may be arguing over these, these contemporary, well, we think they're contemporary issues, all these other issues. You may find yourself and it's easier just to... Can I tell you the first thing you need to do? Have relationships. If you're able to, have the conversations but never argue. I've yet to see somebody who has argued into the kingdom of God. I've yet to see it. Why are people so dug in sometimes? They have to believe their own truth. They have to because they, there's no plan B. There's no other option. They have to, they have to go all in. Well, verse 4, uh, they turned away from the truth to turn to fables, but you be watchful, he says in verse 5, in all things, not some things. Don't just be watchful in church things, but in all things, endure afflictions. Do the work of evangelists, fulfill your ministry. Verse 5 stands out to me as I saw this picture of this believer. He was doing a house church in India. Again, one believer for every thousand people. Illegal to, have, to, to convert somebody, and they really don't pursue it unless somebody wants to. Because I asked this young girl, I said, how in the world... I would be a little apprehensive, to say the least, to go halfway around the world to appear, and, know, and don't know the language and, and, and share these things. And they showed the one church was meeting in a place a little bit bigger than my office. There were seven people in there with no, the fan wasn't even going. And she showed me on her phone, she had screenshot the temperature that day, 117 degrees. That's wanting to go to church, y'all. Right now, you guys are thinking, I got to fire the grill up. I got to jump in the pool. I got to go do things. That's wanting to go to church. Crammed into this little room, no fan, no nothing, so they can hear somebody teach the Bible. Endure afflictions. This guy, I asked her about this preacher. I don't know if he really was a, a pastor, but he was the leader of it. And uh, I asked her, I said, What's that look like for him? He's like, He's cautious where he goes and what he shares and when he shares it. He has to be cautious. Endure afflictions, he says. But the alternative is why? Because stakes, uh, lives are at stake. There's so much more I wanted to share this morning. It was several years ago been longer than I'm thinking now, actually. Within the last 10 years, 
I think where this was, there was a battle for this. There was a battle for the Bible, and anybody who said anything kind of vocally on a bigger scale, Bible-believing was, was just boom, just a, just boom. What I see now is not that. What I see is an apathy. Uh, pff, come on. I see an apathy. In your, in my everyday life, we have to come down to this. What is, are we going to believe this or not? And are we going to be able to live with sin? Or are we going to be able to give the hope? The hope that lies within. The Bible tells us that hope deferred is a bad thing. These people in our lives, our families, our children, our grandchildren, they need the hope of our Savior Jesus Christ. To share him with them. Don't hit them over the head with the Bible. Share them. Live it out. Let them see. This week, I, was, uh, I didn't know how tired I was because I was, I was ministering out of my overflow. God had filled my heart so much. I didn't do that much this week. I thanked God numerous times throughout the week for letting me be a part of this. It wasn't until I got home that I realized how tired I was. There's a joy that comes in serving the Lord, but there's also a joy in growing pains, in learning through the affliction, through the trials. We can see example after example in the Bible how God has worked and in His church as well. I want to conclude with this example. There's going to be a celebration, a true celebration of life here next Saturday. The man's name was Charles G. Jones. You may look at him. You've known Charles for the last 10, 15 years. You're like, Dad, I want, I want to be like that guy. I want to be like what you don't know that I know is his life prior. The trials, the hardships, how God was using and working. And we get to see the end product, per se. Saturday is going to be a celebration of life. Charles Jones would affirm the word, amen? amen. He affirmed the word. And he, when he first started coming, I said, man, uh, the more you amen, the more I'm going to go. He's like, come on, come on, come on, keep bringing it. And uh, I said, we're going to be here for all day at the rate we're going. I'm preaching only Charles, amen? We're good. We keep going. And, you know, his amen started to subside over the years a little bit. He had some different ailments, but his heart given over to the Lord, never subsided. He affirmed the word. He believed this to be the, the word of God. He believed it. We're going to talk more about that. And that's the end result of hope. Hope in this life, there's a joy about him, and hope in the eternal life, which we're going to be celebrating. Saturday is going to be pretty, pretty special. Let's bow for prayer. Can we do that? We are not, again, not going to be having an invitation this week. In fact, I took a few extra moments. But I want you to be encouraged through the reading of the word this morning as we move forward throughout your day and even tomorrow. I would ask you to be encouraged. This is a time where you could come and pray if you so desire. That's fine. That's great. But it's also a time where you may need to come and even pray for other people. 
But I pray that the word of God that we shared would find its way to your heart. To be his people. To be a changed people. As we lift our concerns and cares before our throne. Let's bow for prayer. Dear God, thank you for loving us. All the preaching is, is kind of done. But the prayers we can do without ceasing. We can always have this attitude and heart of prayer as we come before you. Yes, we can lay our hardships and trials. But can we lay down the fact that we want to know what you're up to in our life? We want to thank you and praise you for the joy and the happiness that you bring into our lives. But teach us how to keep you first. And foremost, like Matthew 6.33 tells us. Teach us, show us how to do these things. And when we don't want you, help us to want to want you. That you would be our God and we can be your people. I lift this prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. As Brad is getting ready to come and share some announcements, I wanted to share with you. The need for to keep each other lifted in prayer. Charlie Ricky, I hope to see him later today, is uh, in need of our prayer. Um, and many others. I know that Betty McGee was in the hospital over this last week. That we need to keep each other lifted. And as these things come across your prayer requests, uh, and, and even unspoken, they come across your crosstalk, lift them faithfully and consistently before the throne. Brother Brad. Just a few things to mention. Uh, we won't have Facebook Live tonight. A lot of folks are out of town and with families. I want to encourage you to, to glorify the Lord uh, as you celebrate Independence Day this weekend. Be safe, especially with firecrackers and things like that. Be safe, but enjoy the time with your families. We will have our Summer Surge Bible Study uh, here at the church on Wednesday at 7 o'clock. We'll have sidewalk talk for the kids as well. And as Pastor mentioned, there are still lots of, of uh, spaces to fill as far as volunteers uh, to work the funeral for uh, Brother Charles on Saturday. So, again, the visitation is 10 to 12. The service will be at 12. We're looking for folks uh, to, to make food, to volunteer for that, uh, to bring that food in, but al also to help with the funeral itself. We're expecting a big crowd, and we're looking forward to celebrating the life of Charles Jones. What an amazing, loving, faithful servant of God. We want to exalt Jesus Christ as we celebrate his life on Saturday. If you have any questions about serving, uh, providing food, be sure to see my wife, Melissa, or Betty. With that, you're dismissed.